0: That. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to steer a little away from where we've been. We've been talking uh, through the book of Revelation for the last 15 or 16 weeks, and we're about halfway through. We're going to continue that uh, in the next, well, actually, we're going to be away from that for three or four weeks here. So Um, this morning, we're going to take a break from Revelation. We're going to talk about baptism. I started doing a little um, study through my own notes, researching my own notes, and it turns out that. Baptism is the only topic that I could tell you for sure the only the only message that I can tell you for sure i 've preached every year for the last fourteen years it 's once a year we get up and we really um, speak about this during our annual church picnic it 's about the only sermon that i 've ever uh, gone back to year after year. so again, with several people this morning who are looking to get baptized, Jesus before he died, he left us the church, really with only two ordinances, two. Um, ongoing commands two two things that we need to to take take place in a church on a regular basis the first is the lord's table or communion we had communion last week and when we do we're commanded to to remember his birth the, the word says that when we take communion that's what we're doing is we're remembering him we're remembering his life his death the price that he paid the second of those two ordinances is baptism now, the subject of baptism is not largely brought up in church. I, I bring it up once a year, but you can go to a, a long time in churches and not hear anything about baptism. It's kind of untouched <clears> or, <throat> excuse me, or unremembered. You don't hear anybody writing a, boy. Oh, there's a fresh new book out there about baptism. You just don't see it, and there's not too many videos or podcasts about it. It's been years since I've heard any preacher on TV ever talk about baptism, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure whether the church has just relegated this as a thing of the past, or maybe we just get to the point that we think, well, once we've done it, we don't have to go back to it. But that's really not the truth, folks. In practice, baptism needs to be something that is very important, and we should bring it up on a regular basis. It should be part of it. The act of water baptism, being immersed in water, is in response to salvation. As a matter of fact, I would say that it's a very important first step we'll look at this a little bit later but Matthew chapter 3 Jesus himself uh, talks about that in Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 Jesus is going to his cousin John the Baptist and he's going to get baptized let's look at at Matthew chapter 3 then John came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized I'm sorry then Jesus came from, uh, from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. I always find that kind of an interesting passage, that John consented. He was really looking for Jesus to baptize him. He knew who he was baptizing. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. First of all, just put yourself in that spot. We're going to baptize him. He goes down. He comes back up. And out of no place, there's a dove. Sits on his shoulder. And you hear a voice that says, This is my son. In him I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but somebody might have had to pick me up. We read scripture way too fast, we don't think about what we're reading. God was pleased with his son and jesus said we must do this in order to fulfill all righteousness what does that mean what does that mean to us today let me give you some thoughts at first glance it seems to me at least that jesus's baptism doesn't really have much purpose john the bible says was preaching a baptism of repentance well did jesus need to repent no he didn't sin right so what what was this kind of all about? He didn't need that. John was even caught off guard with it. He recognized his own sin. He's like, I need to be baptized by you, but Jesus said, We must do this to fulfill righteousness. Jesus replied, It's proper. I think there's a couple of reasons and fitting reasons why John needed to baptize Jesus. Number one, Jesus was just entering into his public ministry. He's just beginning his public ministry. And what we see here is as he does this John was his forerunner John was the one who was declaring there is one coming there is one coming whose shoes I'm not even worthy to tie the laces man there is one coming so part of this I believe is Jesus it's kind of like his his grand entrance onto the scene this is the beginning here is the forerunner here is the guy who's been saying there is one coming and now all of a sudden he's saying here he is He's the one. As a matter of fact, when he saw him walking by, he was baptizing people, and he said, there's, there's the, there he is right there. There's the light of the world. He's the one. He's the one. He's the guy right there. He's the one. And here he, he baptizes Jesus. John was the one crying. The voice, Isaiah called him the, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. By baptizing him, John was declaring to everyone around. You see, that's part of baptism. Is Baptism is a, this public declaration that there's been a change in our life. And so this is a public declaration of who the one was, who was the Messiah, who was the one who was coming. This is the one that had been predicted that would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus' baptism also shows that he identifies with sinners, not because he needed repentance but in in one way what he what what he was doing was he was showing us how important obedience is do you know how often as believers as Christians we go through life and we think well that's a good passage of scripture but I don't really need that Let me ask you a question. You don't need to raise your hand. Have you ever just felt that tug on your heart? Like this is God saying, I want want to change something in your life. I need you to go somewhere. I need you to do this. I need you to go and say something. I I need you to not do that. Don't watch that. Don't go here. I'm trying to lead you and guide you and direct you. How many times have you felt that and then you've decided, you know what, I'm... I'm going to do it anyhow. Don't raise your hand. But most of us have been there. And here's the reality. When we do, there are consequences for that. Amen? Amen. There are consequences. When we disobey, we begin to follow after our own flesh. Jesus, one of the things that he is, he is showing us here is that even he needed to walk in obedience. His, his, he's righteous already but then he's also showing us that this is what needs to take place in our life, that we need to be submerged in him and that's gonna fulfill the requirements of the law. Baptism is symbolism. We're gonna get to that in a minute. But this entire culture of Jesus' day, all the religious people of Jesus' day, they are trying to show that they're righteous by doing all the things that are written in the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, by trying to follow all the rules of the Old Testament. They're trying to show that we're righteous by doing that. And yet we find that it is totally impossible. As a matter of fact, Jesus came not to 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 just Point out to people that you can't make it but to, to prove you you can't do this you cannot we cannot make it on our own right most of us can't even make it through a day without blowing it let alone a lifetime Jesus came to show his righteousness and as he walked in that, he's proving, he's pointing to us how much we need a Savior. That's what, the, that's what the law is all about. That's what the Old Testament law is all about. We can't even make it through the Ten Commandments, most of us. That's just ten. We can't make it through those. You go through the book of Leviticus and you've got 600 rules to follow. You can't make it through the first ten and there's 600 more. And what it's designed to do is to show us that we need a savior. We need someone who's already accomplished it all. That's who Jesus is. Jesus establishes baptism as this eternal ordinance for the church. He calls every believer to walk in his footsteps. We're gonna see that in Matthew 28 in just a minute. Our, our modern day Comfort zone Christianity says, ah, you know, I'm just not sure if I want to do that stuff. Not sure if I really want to follow God. You know, I can do just a little bit. I can sin just a little bit. God doesn't really care. After all, he'll forgive me, right? Listen to what Chuck Colson said. Chuck Colson said, most Westerners take baptism for granted, but for many in the world... This act requires immense courage. In countries like Nepal, it once meant imprisonment. For the Soviet Union, for China, or for Eastern Bloc believers, it was like signing their own death warrant. You and I think, well, we we can take it or leave it, but to these different Nations in these different people groups it was so serious in Jewish culture in the day of Jesus when this took place People would 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 lose everything they'd lose all their family rights if they simply followed after this teacher Who was saying the laws and rule I have fulfilled all the rules and the laws that's what Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father But by me and anybody who followed him they would get kicked out of their families. Can you imagine? Another author wrote this. I would like to take this thinking a step farther and also say that I believe that this failure to take baptism seriously in the church is a failure to follow baptism biblically in the church. It is very likely that at the root of some of the immense problems in the church, it is because it betrays this, this baptism, this lack of baptism betrays people's unfaithfulness to simple, direct commandments of the Lord. The bottom line question is this. If you cannot be obedient in the manner of simple act of baptism, which the Lord has specifically, specifically commanded every believer to do, is it not indicative of a less than obedient life? Which explains a lot of things about the weakness of the church In our day, if we're not willing to be obedient in the very simple thing like baptism, how many more things will we just simply blow off? How many more things will we just simply walk away from? Uh, My language is bad, but it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Taking my thoughts captive, uh, that's not a big deal. It's not hurting anybody. It's a big deal a wedding ring is an outward sign that a person is married a military uniform is an outward sign that a person is involved in a particular branch of the service a badge is an outward sign of a law enforcement officer baptism is an outward sign that you are a follower of Jesus Christ it's what it is and I use the word it's a symbol it's a sign but it's more than just a symbol to say that it's just a symbol takes away from the depth and the fullness of water baptism, baptism is a symbol, but it's so much more than that. When we're saved, we become a believer in Jesus Christ, and we are spiritually baptized into Christ. That word "baptized" it's the Greek word "baptizo" and it means submerged. Listen to what Galatians Paul says to Galatian to the Galatian church: For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. It's like you were you were, you were Walking through life on your own in all your dirt and all your shame and all your guilt, and all of a sudden you put on this garment of righteousness. And we're putting on Christ. When we put on Christ, when we submerse ourselves in Him, when we're submerged in Him, when God looks at bear, God doesn't see bear. What He sees is Christ. He sees him clothed in righteousness. He doesn't see his old garment. He doesn't see the garbage. He sees Christ because we're submerged in Christ. When you and I uh, enter the kingdom of God, we go from the kingdom of darkness. We go from walking in our old ways and our old thoughts and our old habits and we leave, we're we're taken out of this kingdom of darkness and we're placed into the kingdom of God's dear son. We're placed into a different kingdom. Guess what that means? There's a different set of rules for us. We should walk a different life from that moment in time. You don't just accept Christ and expect everything to just be the same as it was. It's just now you go to church. Guess what? You've missed it. Salvation's not just about giving God an hour on Sunday morning. Paul says in Corinthians, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Because of salvation, we're one body. We are one of another. We can literally say that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Right? Do we believe that? Do we, do, do we believe it to the point that we walk it out? That we live that way? My brother and I have this thing, and now it's changed, obviously, since we, we live two and a half hours away from each other. But it is not uncommon or my older brother and I, just to I'll just give you an example. One day my brother comes driving in my driveway. I heard his old truck. I knew he was there. He backs up to my garage, and I met him at the door. He's like, hey, you still got that old welder? I said, yeah, I got it. So this is an old welder. It's an old buzz box for those of you who weld stick welder, a little buzz box thing. Matter of fact, the switch on it was bad. I'd gone to electrical school, but did I change the switch? No. We already had a stick that you could just prop onto the switch, so we knew that would work. So I got this little buzz box. He's like, "Uh, you you got that buzz box? I'm like, yeah. So he opens his tailgate, and he walks in my garage, and he takes his welder. He's like, Dave needs that. I'm like, well, so what? You know, what do you mean, Dave needs it? And he goes, and he opens the door on his truck, and he brings out a brand-new welder. Here, he said, this one will work better. You'll like this better. And he drives away. calls me up one day he's like hey he said you know i hit a bump of my motorcycle and he said you know we lowered that thing he said tore out all the wiring i'm like all right i'll get there I don't don't touch the wiring so well, i went and i fixed we one day i looked at him and i said i wonder who owes who in this exchange like do you owe me more or do i owe you and he's like i don't think we can figure that out see that's how brothers live right doesn't make any difference what you need if you need it you go to your brother and he takes care of that he fixes that you can go back and forth it works just that easy even my son and i it's kind of a kind of a funny hey you got this yeah I'll come on get it four screws eight Whatever. you got you got the yeah. it's back i'm like is that finally the other day i'm like hey you know that generator it's like yeah i said i i got it running i think it's yours And he's like, well, I don't know. We traded this for that and that for this. I think we've traded the same. It's never left my garage. I think it's been traded back and forth five times. But does it make any difference? No, it doesn't make any difference. If you need it, come and get it. There it is. See, we are part of the same body. We can literally be brothers and sisters to one another. Our relationship, I don't think we get this. I don't think we walk in this nearly enough. And I think as the church, we need to be kind of reminded of this. But we're baptized into Christ. We are part of the same body. There should be relationships that go deeper than just, oh, I saw you in church on Sunday. So I gotta tell you, I'm gonna pick on Mick for just a minute, okay? Can I do that? Thanks, I appreciate it. If you sit up front, you didn't know this, but when you sit up front, it's kind of like signing a contract that says, here I am, Pastor. <laughs> You've taken Trent Buck's place. He left. Now, he will not no longer sit up front because I do this too often. Now he's sitting in back. <laughs> but Mick is here because Trent has called him and called him, right, called him, reached out, Say, hey, Mick's got a problem because he's reached out and he's reached out and he's reached out to the extent that I, I'm going to I'm going to share this and maybe again taking a little bit more liberty. I'll apologize later. But like, like last week, Trent's like, hey, calls Raymond. I need some help. What, what do you need? we got to baptize Mick. Why? Because you need each other. You could have waited a week, right? No. Get her done. This guy's ready. He's ready to make a move. He's, he's changing in his life. He could be dead instead, right? He could have been dead. You know how. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Because of salvation, we belong to one another. We should care for each other at a different level. Water baptism, water baptism, in essence, what water baptism is, it's a funeral. It's yours, your funeral. You ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to attend my own funeral and see what people say about me? (laughs) Go get baptized. It's your funeral. It's my funeral. You're taking that old man, you're taking that old nature. Here's what they're going to say about you. Let's leave the scoundrel at the bottom of the lake. Hold him down until he's gone. Right? Right? That's what baptism is. It's it's exchange. It's really an exchange. It's an exchange. hadn't thought of that till right now. It's an exchange. It's an exchange. We're exchanging that old nature. Here's the level of the water, okay? We go out in the water and we say, all right, we're going to baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What we're doing is we're saying, this old man, this old nature, we're going to bury him. The water level is equivalent to the, to the ground, to the earth. We're going to bury you. We're going to put you down. That old man, that old nature is dead. What are you doing? when something's dead bury it right two people what else do you do with it freeze-dry it? I don't bury it get rid of it don't freeze-dry your old nature don't just add water so we can come back let's bury that old nature and then what happens when you come up well what happened when Jesus came up he was raised in newness of life right you to be raised in newness of life with those sins, those things that so easily beset us. Now, after baptism, we can say, "I have the opportunity now. The old man is gone. Now I have the opportunity." Listen to what Paul said to the church in Rome. This is a little bit longer, a little bit longer passage of scripture in Romans chapter six, starting at verse one. In verse 5, Paul had just said, where there's much sin, there's much grace. So in verse six, in chapter 6, he says, what shall I say then? Shall we go on sinning because then there's a lot of grace? By no means, one translation says, God forbid. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that when you accept Jesus, you come out of the kingdom of darkness and you're into the kingdom of light and when, you, when that takes place, the Bible says now you've been born again. How can sin even rule in your body? It's dead by no means We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Paul is is making this very clear. He says there is a distinction. When you follow Christ, you've been baptized into his death. Or don't you know that? Because if you don't know that, Paul says, I want you to know this right now. You know, amen. Sometimes we walk in ignorance though, right? Sometimes we don't know, so we just keep on walking the old way. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul is kind of putting flesh to this concept of following Christ. And he's like, it doesn't make any difference how you lived your life before, what your culture is, where you come from, what your family background is. It doesn't make any difference. You can live a new life. I had a guy one time I used to do windshields for, did tons of windshields for me at a body shop. He told me one day, he said, you know what? I've always wanted to live two lives. I said, have I got a deal for you? (laughs) He didn't take my deal. Instead, he chose to sell his business, sell his house, and move to an island someplace in the Pacific, which was fine until there was a coup, and then he had to come back and live on Buck Lake. (laughs) Sorry, man. You could have had a better opportunity, I'm telling you. We have the opportunity to live a second life. For we know, Paul says, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to it. Paul says, through this act of obedience to Christ, through this act of becoming a follower, that old nature is dead and you no longer have to be a slave to it. Somebody give me a just show, what's something you may have been slave to? You can you can what's something that your neighbor might have been slave to? Food, Food is one thing. What else? Money. Alcohol. What else? Money. Money. What else? Cigarettes. Cigarettes. Booze. What about what what did you say? Computers. Compu- ooh, computers. You should have let me go with the booze. That was easier. (laughs) Anger, rage, fear, greed, selfishness. Do you realize we can be slaves to all those things, right? You realize that? Paul says you can also be set free from all of that. As a matter of fact, that sin has died. You have died to that. I'm going to take you on a little journey here. I'm going to take you on a little journey. Once you've died to that, do you know what it takes to practice it again? you got to drag it back to life. I know, God, that you set me free, but I really like this sin. I'm going to carry this one with me. Right? Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. How many of us decide that we're going to drag around a little bit of extra sin in our life? No, no, no. I really like it when I'm angry. I really like that. I think I should, I think I should do that more often. Right? Thank you. Yeah. Don't sit up front. If you don't want it, don't sit up front. I'm telling you. Look, folks. Sin now becomes a choice for us. We used to be slave to it. When I truly follow Christ, now all of a sudden, it's, it's something that I, I choose to pick up. Again, I'll give you an example. When I was, before I was a Christian, I was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day by the time I was 18. Okay? When God set me free, when I accepted Christ, He set me free from, from, from drugs, He set me free from alcohol, He set me free from all kinds of things. Cigarettes, I didn't quite kick. So somebody told me about. Receiving Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, somebody told me about this, this baptism thing and that God would set me free. And so I went in and determined, God, I want to get rid of this. And when I came up out of the water, it was a real deal. It was a real deal. I was delivered. I, I had no desire for cigarettes anymore. Six weeks later, or two months later, whatever it was, I'm at school, something happened, The car broke down, whatever, I don't remember what it was, but I was angry. My buddy and I were late for class already. We're getting ready to walk into the school and I'm like, give me a smoke. And he said, what? I said, I want to smoke. He's like, you don't don't smoke anymore. You haven't smoked for two months. You know how hard it was for you to quit, blah, 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 blah. You told me God delivered you from that, blah, 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 blah. He's preaching at me, he's not even even saved. He's preaching at me, he's telling me all these things that God did for me. And at the end I'm like, yeah, but I want to smoke. And he's like, you're an idiot gives me a cigarette, gives me a lighter, walks away, goes into the school. I'm standing out there, light up the cigarette, take the first drag. <laughs> it was like I was a kid. I couldn't get that thing down. Take a second drag, and I, I cannot tell you that I heard God's voice, because that would, that would be a stretch. But I heard God speak to my heart as clearly as we're standing here. And he said to me, I have delivered you from that. And if you want to fight it for the rest of your life, go ahead and suck it down. Now, I went to take a third drag and thought, that really would be a stupid thing to do. (laughs) And I threw the cigarette away, and I've never had another drag of a cigarette in my life. You see, I was dragging that sin up. I had to grab it and pull it back out of the grave. You can sit. I was just pulling. I'm, I'm pulling. I'm trying to make sure that it comes with me. And God says, I've set you free from it. There's a whole other sermon I could preach that, that goes from here that says, if we, if we reject Christ's freedom, then where are we going to get it from? There is no other option, Right? Our old self was crucified with him so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse seven says, and it's very simply put, because anyone who has died is free from sin. You've been set free. Verse eight says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. I want to tell you something. I know that there are people who have been. Been born again, they've accepted Christ. I know they have they've, they've even gotten baptized, and they still struggle with sin. And you go, well, Pastor, what's the answer to that? The answer to that is to know Christ better. The answer to that is to continue to push into Him. The answer to that is to continue to get closer. There is no other salvation. It's not coming anyplace else. There's no other. There's no other uh, uh, deliverance. We push into Christ. We get closer to Him. The Bible says, resist, uh, draw nigh unto Christ. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you but we have to draw nigh we have to press in i'm i'm convinced i'm going to get into preaching pretty soon i'm convinced that when we really struggle with sin it's because we haven't pressed in we haven't said i need you god like i need the very air in my lungs instead we're like i that song oh i need you oh i need you sunday mornings from 10 to noon The rest of the week I've got myself, oh God, I need you on Sunday. When do we press in? When do we say, God, I can't shake this thing. I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. Do we even know the truth? Do we stand up and tell the devil that he's a liar? I'm no longer addicted to cigarettes. I am no longer addicted to porn. That old man is dead. I've been set free. Instead, what we do is, oh, the devil's beating me up today. Give him a club, he'll hit you again. Right? Draw nigh unto Christ. God wants to set us free. That old nature is good. That old nature is dead. We need to bury him. If you died with Christ, we believe also that you'll live with him. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. I I think of this in terms of debt. Debt. I think of this in terms of owing. Bear owes $100,000, and he can't get out of debt, and he can't get out of debt, and he can't get out of He's so swamped, somebody walks up and gives him $100,000. What's your choice? Are you going to take it? Yeah, pretty quick? Yeah? Then what are you going to do? Are you going to punch the guy who gave it to you? Probably not. Jesus, however, wait a minute, wait a minute, we laugh. Jesus, however, comes and he sets us free, and then what do we do when he tells us to walk in his way? (laughs) I'm going to do my own thing. He just set you free, and you're going to do your own thing? How do you think you got in bondage in the first place? The Bible says we're even supposed to abstain the very appearance of evil. We're supposed to even stay away from the very appearance of evil. For sin shall no longer, verse 14, sin sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law but you're under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but we're under grace? By no means. Don't you know that to whatever you offer yourself, whenever you offer yourself to somebody as obedient to slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey? Whether you're slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, you can be a slave to righteousness. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. The Roman church just got an entire dissertation on what it means to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. Being baptized is a command from God. It's not just an option. We find this in Mark. Uh, Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. We find this all throughout in Acts. There's several opportunities in Acts where you read about people being, being born again. They repent and are, what must I do? Peter said, What must I do to be saved? Jesus said, Repent and be baptized. Well, I'll repent, but I'm not gonna be baptized, Dog on it. I got my good clothes on. You're walking in disobedience. Is baptism, I want to get this, I'm going to run way out of time. Page six of 10. Um, Is baptism required to be saved? No, I don't believe that. Jesus told the thief on the cross, this day you'll be with me in paradise. I don't think he had to be drugged down off the cross, baptized and then come back up on the cross to finish the deeds in order to end up in paradise. That's not the way it was, but it's what it's what we're commanded to do. It's it's it it in part part of the symbolism is to reveal to the world, to reveal to God, reveal to the devil, and reveal to ourselves that we acknowledge we are a new creation in Christ. The old man is dead. Tim needs to remind Tim of that on a regular basis. When I worked at uh, when I. When I worked at WeFest for a couple of years, we had this, this uh, placard that we got to put in our, in our front window that said, uh, chaplain. That gave us the ability to drive in and we could park wherever we needed to, chaplain. And one of the guys, after I was done with, the, with doing WeFest, I said, do we turn these in? He's like, no, 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 man. He said, you keep it. Just leave it on your dash. That way if you get pulled over, the cops see that you're a chaplain and they're like, they'll let you off easy. And I thought to myself, I'll leave it on the dash so that it reflects back in the windshield at me and it tells me that I'm a chaplain. I need to be reminded that I need to not behave that way. It's not about getting off or getting by with anything. I bought a, I bought, a, I bought a, a, a radar detector when I, was, when I was out traveling, doing sales across the state and across several states. I bought a radar detector. good money for that radar detector good money it was a good radar detector and it worked I tried it out it worked and I'm driving my kids to school one day with that little radar detector up there and one of the girls said dad what's that and so I began to explain why I had I began to explain what it was and then they wanted to know why I had it. And I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit say, yeah. Why do you have that? I'm thinking, surely, God, you know it's so I can sin and not get caught. So I came up with a plan. I'm going to sell it. And I felt like the Lord said to me, really? No. I'm going to break it and throw it in the garbage so that nobody else gets it. God will allow us to pay for our sin, right? The old man's dead. I do not have to be. Have you ever done just, just do the math behind speeding someday if you want to see if it's really worth it? Just do the math. You're going to find out that in a two-hour trip, if you're doing five, five miles an hour over, ten, you're only going to get there 10 minutes early. Okay, probably most of our lives are just not that big of a deal. Most of us can spare 10 minutes, right? Just do the math. Sometime you'll figure out. It's just not, we don't have to do it. We've been set free from that, folks. And no speed detector in our life, no, that's not gonna, we, God, no, he knows. He knows. He knows. We're caught. He knows. Baptism is about celebrating that old life being dead Philip, I love the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm just going to tell you the story. It's in Acts chapter 8. The Ethiopian eunuch is, is riding down. He's, this, he's a very, very, probably a very wealthy. Uh, uh, he's in charge of the finances for this for this queen of Ethiopia, and he's riding down the road in his chariot. This is just a hoot to me. He's riding down the road in his chariot, and he's reading out loud the book of Isaiah. He can't quite figure it out. All of a sudden, Philip here's the Holy Spirit and says, go catch up to that chariot. Okay. And he's running alongside the chariot. He's running alongside the chariot. Hey, do you know what you're reading? How would I know unless somebody tells me? You're right. Why don't you get in the chariot? Good plan. Gets up in the chariot, rides with him, and he explains to him this prophecy, and he explains to him everything there is to know about Christ at that time. And the eunuch, finally, they're going along, and he must have talked about baptism. And he's like, well, man, there's a lake right there. Is there any reason I can't get baptized? And Philip says, well, man, if you want to get baptized now and you really believe in Jesus, let's do it. And they get out and he gets baptized immediately. You can read about disciple after disciple after disciple. You read about, there's not any place that we read in the New Testament about followers of Jesus and where it specifically says, but they chose not to get baptized and followed him anyway. Several places that tell us that they did get baptized Acts chapter ten, Acts chapter sixteen, Acts chapter eighteen, Acts chapter nineteen, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter twenty-two, on and on and on and on. First Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified Version. Paul says, "Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, if you've been transferred into Christ the Messiah, he, that person who's been transferred in, he is a new creation." a new creation altogether. The old, the previous morals and spiritual condition have passed away. And behold, the fresh and the new has come. Amen. Amen. That old nature, that old man is passed away. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make, because of that, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you even to the, the very end of the age. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them, baptizing them. Why? Because they need a funeral. They need to know that the old nature is dead and it does not have control of them. You have a choice. I have a choice. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Peter replied, uh, when they asked Peter, what must we do to be born again? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Look, there's only a couple of reasons why we would, Choose to be a believer and not be baptized. Number one is out of ignorance. You can't claim that anymore. Check. The second, out of disobedience. I just don't think it's important for me. And that's something you have to square up with the Lord. But I believe that it is critical for us as believers. And here's what I here's what I tell people. Here's what I believe. Expect god to do big things in your life you have been you're, you've already been set free now what we're doing is we're having a funeral and we're telling that old nature we're leaving you at the bottom of spear lake today and i'm coming up a new man i'm coming up a new woman here's the deal we even have a couple of kids that want to give my grandson the other day went down in the basement came back upstairs and looked at his mom and said, Mom, where's hell? And I thought, boy, what are they teaching in Sunday school? And then I realized we don't have Sunday school going. It must have been me. (laughs) So she had the opportunity to lead her kids to Christ at seven and eight years old. You say, well, pastor, is that real? I believe it's real. What do you do next? You baptize them. I asked him the other day, I said, do you want to get baptized? He said, yeah. I said, why? He said, because I believe in Jesus. And I said, that's a good thing. Let's do that. Look, folks, I don't care if it's the truth of a child. They may decide to get baptized again later on in life. But you take that faith right where it's at. We say, God, we're going to honor that. We're going to honor that. Today we're going to go, I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to go out to Spear Lake. We're going to have lunch together. We're going to have a church baptism, we're going to celebrate together. And I want to invite you to come on out. If you say to yourself, saying, I've never been baptized. Today is a great day. From here, I can see the sun shining. It's a great day. Well, I don't have a swimsuit. That's okay. You can get baptized in your whole clothes. That's all right. We'll pull you back up. Well, I I just am not, whatever the excuse is, just know this, that's what it is. You say, well, okay, pastor, I've been baptized. Good, great. Come and celebrate with us. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you for your goodness. You you gave these ordinances, God. You gave this. You said, "Go and make believers, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit." You thought, if that's some of the last chapters that we have recorded, obviously, God, you thought that was important. You thought it was critical to take place. So, God, I believe it's critical to take place. We need to bury that old man. We just need to recognize that you have set us free. Lord, we pray for your life. I pray for each person here as they've heard your word today. God, that your Holy Spirit would work in their lives. You'd, you'd convict. You would You would do what you need to do in their hearts and lives. We just want to be open to that. I pray that you would move in our hearts and that this truth would be solid in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.